You're listening to the Mars Attacks Radio and Podcast Classic Albums Column. Here is your host, Victor. Welcome one and all to episode 77 of the Mars Attacks Podcast. I'm your host, Victor. And this episode, we get to discuss one of my all-time favorite bands. It is none other than Iron Maiden and their quintessential album, Power Slave. things off there with Aces High, a track that, for example, Anirud Andrew Bainsall of Metal Assault, you'll hear him mention that that is the greatest track to ever kick off an album. Some people may agree, some people may disagree. Anyway, people ask me all the time, how did you come across this album, or why did you pick this album? I think for Maiden, so many people always tend to pick Number of the Beast. I was surprised that so many people wrote in and discussed how they liked Peace of Mind. Uh, I do think that Power Slave is a very important album for the band. All you have to do is check out that Live After Death, now DVD. See that they sold out, I think it was five nights straight at the Long Beach Arena. They sold out Radio City Music Hall in New York a bunch of nights straight as well. It's just a ridiculous time where Maiden was possibly the most popular band in the world, uh, taking you back to the 80s when this came out. A band that, you know, when Bruce left, they, I don't know if you want to say, fell on hard times in the States. And maybe the band has never forgiven 
the fans as a result. But this is happier, merrier times with Power Slave. They're on top of the world. They're doing a ridiculous amount of touring. Uh, they have this great, great concept for an album that Derek Riggs, when he was still working with the band, put together of Eddie on the pyramids with all types of different, you know, uh, different hieroglyphics or things that are drawn into that cover. Sort of something that gets missed nowadays. Actually started to get missed with the CD days. And even now, not all of the bands, you know, throw in a PDF with the downloads of an album. And, you know, the ones that do, it's actually really cool where you can go in and check out a crisp digital image of, you know, an album cover and see if you can find, you know, some hidden gems like, you know, Kilroy was here on the cover of Power Slave. Obviously, this album, the cover was probably the only cover that's ever beaten it as far as detail is concerned, is the next Maiden album, Somewhere in Time, which just has a ridiculous amount of just detail and hidden, you know, maiden history all over the place. Just different song titles tied in, different, you know, uh, bars where they used to play at, the Ruskin Arms, for example, that appear in, uh, if you actually check out the new Maiden England package that they put out finally after all these years, you can see that 12 Wasted Years VHS that we played to death back in the day, now on DVD, and they're at the Ruskin Arms, and they talk about, you have Steve Harris there talking about what it was like, and you have Paul Diano, Iron Maiden, playing. It is just so, so cool to check all that stuff out, again, in a digital format and without fearing that the damn VHS is going to (laughs) break. So, yeah. Uh, Anyway, as usual, we have... A whole bunch of written and audio comments surrounding Power Slave and Iron Maiden. Just to give you a rundown of some of the people that have contributed to the audio portion. We'll get to the written portion a little later on in the show and we'll read some of the comments from people that submitted uh Different different things in written format. For example, David Ellison's comments. Dan Lorenzo of Hades, nonfiction, and the cursed fame. He always has something interesting to say. Wonder if there are still Van Halen fans pissed off at him after the VH2 comments. But um, anyway, if you want to check his comments out or listen to the podcast that pertains to VH2, just go to MarsAttacksRadio.com. On the right-hand side there, you'll see Classic Albums column. Click on that, and then you'll come to a page that features only the Classic Albums column that have been released. Uh, So you'll see not only the podcast form that you could listen to or download straight from the site, you'll find links to uh, iTunes. You will find links to Stitcher with the newer ones because we've just, you know, started to offer things on Stitcher. For all you people on Android that uh, wanted to check the podcast out over there. You'll also find a list of everyone that has been involved or that has submitted comments. And you'll see people, if you go back and you listen to all the episodes, you'll say, Hey, wait a second. Blitz from Overkill hasn't commented yet. Why is his name listed? Aha! He will be commenting 
in a future episode of the Classic Albums column. So just keep an eye out for the people that have contributed comments up to now. And those, you know, it'll give you somewhat of an insight to some of the albums that will be discussed in the future. Some are obvious. Some not so obvious. Because some of the people involved with their comments, yes, they will be talking about their bands and their albums. And there are others that will be commenting on other albums. So there you go. See if I can be less obscure. Uh, Anyway, I touched upon something there about subscribing via iTunes. Please do that. Uh, Leave us a comment on iTunes. It helps with the positioning of the podcast and uh, help spread the word, you know, uh, even if it's just about these classic albums columns. I understand that this is what most people dig. And, you know, I try to do the best that I can to try to get people from, or I should say, musicians or producers that were involved with some of these albums. Sometimes it works out. Sometimes it doesn't. You know, uh, I try my best to still provide you with something that is worthwhile listening to and whether you agree with the albums that are featured or not let me know drop me a line input at marsattacksradio.com let us know and we'll read your comments in a future episode the other thing that uh, i did want to comment is that we do have the live shows going on almost every friday nights on talking metal digital For those of you that aren't aware of Talking Metal Digital, it is a joint effort between the guys over at Talking Metal, still the number one hard rock and metal podcast available, and myself, and we're working to bring other people aboard. We have some interesting names floating around, people that have approached us, and uh, I don't think that will disappoint once things are finally rolled out. Anyway... Friday nights, you either get a Mars Attacks radio live show or you get a Talking Metal live show with Mark Striegel and myself. This week, you'll have Metal Mike from Halford's Band. He's just released an album. And we'll be talking to him about the album, Halford, and all types of other good stuff. Metal Mike has contributed comments to the Classic Albums column as well. So check his comments out and support what he does. If you like any of the music that is featured and what we've started doing as of last episode is playing a little bit of a track off of the album in question and featuring a track that each one of these artists or perhaps a journalist has been involved with in the past. Uh, We have Mitch LaFon, for example, that is involved in a tribute album, a Kiss tribute album for a great cause where he's donating money to a hospice in up in Canada. And so we're going to feature a track off of A World With Heroes, the album that he did put together. And just remember, at the bottom of each episode, at the bottom of, or I should say, at the bottom of each post, you'll find links to not only iTunes for each of the albums featured, but over to a link on Amazon where you can purchase the CD version of these albums. Now, Remember, if you go to Amazon and you click on any of these links, what it will do is any sale that is made that you click on via our links on our site, you can either go through affiliate stores or you can go through Amazon store. What it'll do is every purchase that you make after that, we get a small kickback 
for, you know, taking the sale to them. You don't have to buy anything, but if you're going to buy something, you know, use our links. Why the hell not? Help us out. We're looking to buy some new mics and uh, expand some of the things that we do here so that we could perhaps do a live show on the road. Who knows? A bunch of different ideas going on right now. T-shirts, pics, who knows? <laughs> we'll see what we can financially afford. And, you know, if you guys can help out, there's also a donate button right there on the homepage. If you can chip in a dollar, if you can chip in five cents, go ahead and do it. Donate whatever you can. I understand that times are tough, so just do whatever you can. And, you know, again, just let us know what you think about the show. Drop us a line at input at marsattacksradio.com. And we now also have a toll-free number. That's right. You can call up and leave a message for us and let us know what you think of the show. We will bring that number to you later on during this show. So keep an eye out for that, an ear out or whatever the hell you want to say. And just check that out. We are going to continue on here with a little two minutes to midnight. After two minutes to midnight, we have just learned that Plagues of Babylon by Iced Earth has almost been fully completed. All the tracking has been done anyway, so now all the other process of mixing and all that other good stuff needs to take place. The album will be out sometime in 2014, 2014 as I still say. I'm not a cool bastard like all you other people that say 2014. Anyway, so yeah, let's get into... A little iced earth. This is coming off of the live and ancient Koiran. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Koiran. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, the live album that Iced Earth just put out. The track is 10,000 strong. And coming up right after, I should say, we're going to be playing that track after two minutes to midnight. My bad. We're going to have John Schaefer of Iced Earth. And then we're going to have a little Iced Earth after his comments before coming back. So, sort of a clusterfuck there. Excuse me. Two minutes to midnight. Byron Mead. <laughs>
power slave from Iron Maiden. That's fucking killer. Right? You know, I uh, I don't know. My, I mean, my favorite Maiden epic is probably not Rhyming the Ancient Mariner. It's probably To Tame a Land. But uh, Power Slave is just, it's a badass album. But I mean, I'm a fucking huge Maiden fan. So you, any Maiden on that list. <laughs> except for the Blaze Bailey stuff. And it wasn't, it wasn't even Blaze's fault, though. I don't no. think he was the right guy. It was just... I could tell Steve Harris was not focused. It wasn't well composed or produced or anything, and it just seemed to be a rough spot for the band. And the first album wasn't that bad. I think yeah. it's that second album with him where they just got really off yeah. someplace where they didn't need to be. I mean, yeah, I like "Sign of the Cross." That's Sign, a cool song. That's off of the first with, album, yeah. yeah, with Bruce singing it. It's really yeah. cool, you know, and in, in, uh, in a live setting or whatever, but. Yeah, but any all that old stuff and, and even the new since Bruce came back and Brave New Worlds. Brave New Worlds. I, I saw I them. Think on, it's the best one. Yeah, yeah, me too. I saw them on that tour and they yeah. did Sign of the Cross and they did the Clansman. The Clansman. Uh, yeah. That's it. And it was just ridiculous yeah. seeing him sing that. Yeah. And that was Maiden Queensrÿche and uh, Rob Halford opening up. Yeah, dude. Actually, I think I saw that same thing out in Vegas. I saw I that did. in um, at a ski resort in Pennsylvania. Yeah. I saw that same tour. And actually, Motley Crue and Megadeth the night before. So oh, yeah. it was a fucked up weekend. <laughs> Ten thousand strong live by Iced Earth, and I said this when I released the episode with John Schaefer. Every festival that I go to over here in Europe, you see Iced Earth T-shirts. Back home in the states, you see Iced Earth T-shirts. Once I finally got to see them live, I understood exactly why. So great, great band, uh, Stu Block doing an amazing job at vocals there on that track that Ripper Owens originally did. Stu does a really, really good job at bringing everything to life. And I don't know, maybe my favorite singer at the moment in Ice Earth, especially after seeing that. But, you know, sort of unfair to pick one guy and say, oh, you know, he's the best, that's the best. It's all opinion. You know, with Maiden, I love, you know, although we talked about Blaze Bailey there, I love Killers. I mean, Killers is one of my all-time favorite hard rock and metal albums, without a doubt. I mean, I love Paul Diano singing on there. But at the same time, there's so many great Bruce Dickinson albums. So 
I mean, there's really no reason why you should have to choose and say, oh, no, no, we're going to, you know, we'll push these aside, even the Blaze Bailey stuff. You know, as we said, their sign of the cross or Klansman or a track like Virus was really cool. So, yeah, so there you go. Up next, the third song. One of my all-time favorite instrumental tracks, and I'm not a big guy on instrumentals. Lost for Words. We're going to get into Lost for Words, and then we're going to get into Rock. One of my fellow Cast Iron Ring members, for those of you that don't know what the Cast Iron Ring is, it is a network of podcasts which features not only rock and radioactive metal, but it features our good friends over at Iron City Rocks. John from Iron City Rocks has just put out a new podcast called, let me look it up, Heavy Metal Book Club. There you go. My bad, John. I'm sorry. Just focuses on different metal books, different biographies, autobiographies, so on and so forth. Very cool. Check that out. Signal to Noise, which is also affiliated to Iron City Rocks because obviously Aaron Griffith of Iron City Rocks, that's his podcast. And if you want to check out you know, various things about gear, that's where you should go. You have my podcast, you have Wiki Metal down in Brazil, you have the Wicked Ways uh, podcast as well, Wicked Ways Rock Show, more like it. You have Bob Nail Bandian with his Shockwave Skull Sessions and Shockwave's Hard Radio podcast. You also have Scott from Focus on Metal. And the Bone Hand Half Hour, Heavy Half Hour. So go to castironring.com and check out any of those great, great podcasts. In any event, Lost for Words, something I never seem, (laughs) doesn't ever seem to be an issue with me, fortunately or unfortunately for other people. Anyway, Lost for Words and then a little rock talking about Power Slave. Slave, Iron Maiden. Man, I got so many good memories of that album when it came out. That This came out in 84, 
and this is when I was at the just really starting to get into metal and this album was one of the one of the albums that formed my my metal my heavy metal taste for uh, many many upcoming years and uh, oh my god I remember staring at the album cover you know for hours just while I was listening to it and looking at all the uh, the very detailed artwork by uh, Derek Riggs um, I was I was an aspiring artist you know I became a graphic designer and it's partly because of Derek Riggs I would think because I just spent so much time looking at his artwork over the years and you know it, it, it was it always inspired me but uh, the music itself man on that album wow wow what a great album uh, Ace, is, Ace is High, you know, starts off, uh, I have to say that also around this time is when I also started playing music, uh, just learning my craft, you know, as a bass player and all, and everything, and, uh, this album is one of the albums that helped me build my chops, this one and Peace of Mind, also, uh, Ride the Lightning and Kill Em All, those are the albums that really I sat down and, and tried to learn on the bass, and especially Power Slave. Um, so Ace is High, I mean, even though, you know, we were all learning how to play, me and my friends, we were just all beginners, and I can't tell you how many times we actually tried, you know, playing these songs, you know, with uh, with, with fellow band, me- band members and other people, and, and just, you know, and, and failing miserably in some cases, but in some cases also, you know, doing a pretty good job, and Ace is High is the song where my friends learned how to play guitar harmonies and I remember the first time that they sat down and and played the harmonies to Aces High we were all like oh my god this is so awesome harmonies are the greatest thing ever and you know then from there just just trying to discover guitar harmonies and how to how to play them and how to decipher a guitar harmony and make make sure it sounds right and 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 this is all because of Power Slave you know uh, like I said, Ace is High, awesome song to play. I mean, we used to play this with a, you know, a lot of friends just for fun, just for fun. You know, we would play it. Uh, incredible, incredible work from well, Steve Harris. You know, he's got incredible work on every song he does. But I, I, I you know, even though in some, in S- Steve Harris, in a way, what he plays is very simple. But at the same time, it's also very hard because of the speed and the gallops, the galloping that he does and his technique. It, you know, it's, he's not a, it's not a super adventurous bass player in my opinion, but what he plays is still hard, very hard. So, um, Two Minutes to Midnight, song that I got kind of tired of after a while, especially when, when they put out the video and it was playing all the time on much music and music blues and, you know, you just got tired of it a little bit, uh, I still love the song. It's a great song, but I like it in moderation, you know. Uh, and that's another song that we played, me and my friends, just for fun to, to you know, to learn our chops and to get better, you know. Uh, Lost for Words, Big Aura, the instrumental. Love, love that instrumental. One of my all-time favorite instrumentals. Um, I remember when I was in college, uh, some guy approaching me at one point, a guy I knew that lived in the neighborhood and said, hey, uh, there's this talent contest at the college, and uh, I need a bass player. I found a drummer. I need a, I need a bass player. We're just going to go as a trio, and we're going to play instrumental music. I was like, okay, great. You know, that's fine. But what what do you want to play? Any originals or whatever? He says, well, I've got a, I've got a couple of originals, but I want, also want to play Lost for Words. I was like, whoa, okay. 
uh, let's do it. <laughs> and I remember getting on stage and we were required to dress well for this. And uh, I had my Miami Vice look going for that. Uh, yes, it was uh, it was quite quite the quite the time for me. Anyway, but we played it, and it actually uh, made the news. That the whole little town thing at the college made the news, and they showed some footage of us playing "Lost for Words" on stage. And man, I remember being so friggin' stressed out about playing this song because it was a hard song to play, and I remember at one point almost cramping up because I couldn't hear myself play in the monitors and I was playing way too hard on the bass and I was my hand was cramping up but I you know I was able to get through it but man I'm sure it wasn't my best performance but anyway uh next song Flash of the Blade it's it's a good song it's a good song I mean it's not one of my favorites but it's it's a good song The Duelists the Duelist has some incredible guitar work in there. A lot of the signature Iron Maiden stuff is uh, is in this this song, and it's like you get some complicated parts, some anthemic parts. You know that you know you, oh, it's it's a great tune. I'm not not too sure about the uh, the, the the chorus, and yeah, kind of gets on my nerves a little bit. But I listen to this song just for the musical parts, not for the not not for the uh, the lyrical content or for the uh, the vocal delivery it's really for the music back in the village great fast intriguing song that's that's i think is awesome and it's just it's one of those inspiring songs too never tried to play that one uh but you know i was too busy trying to learn aces high two minutes to midnight and lost for words and and power slave and rhyme of the ancient mariner to try and learn the <laughs> back in the village so power slave hey signature song for maiden um I remember back in the day not being too fond of it, that that song in particular, but it, it grew on me. Now, now I love that song, but uh, I loved I love the uh, middle part where everything goes down and and the bass playing that Steve Harris does. It's really really fun to play when you're a bass player and learning those parts, and it's it's a it's, it's a great song. You know, after uh, after a, f a year or two of listening to it, I it it, it grew it grew on me, and uh, you know, and now I, I love that song now. Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner, one of my all-time favorite songs. It's kind of repetitive. Yes, it's a repetitive song. I mean, it's always the same same riffs keep coming back. But, I mean, it's still a great song, you know? And, and again, that middle part where everything goes down and uh, the bass kind of, you know, does some cool stuff in there. And uh, my favorite part of the whole album is the part where things start building up and that slow part things can start building up and then uh i believe the lyrics say uh bruce dickinson goes uh the albatross falls on his neck uh into the sea uh sinks down like lead no sinks down like lead into the sea and then in falls comes the, the rain anyway i won't do it but that part when it slowly builds up and when finally they get the drums really coming come in and a da, 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 da. one of my all-time favorite build-ups and that riff is just awesome and then uh adrian smith's guitar solo not complicated not hard but one of the oh i love that guitar solo especially when i watch uh, live after death the live version of this song oh my god such a great song such a great song so like i said i have tons of great memories of power slave just 
learning to try trying to learn to play bass properly and discovering really discovering what music and heavy metal can be at that point and uh you know it's a solid solid nine that album is a solid nine except for you know maybe the the song uh flash of the blade that i don't really care for but the rest man it's all stellar and it's it's a great great freaking album and uh if you haven't heard it you know if you're if you're new to maiden just listen to it it's a classic and you'll love it you are listening to one of the many great shows featured on the cast iron ring network see all the great shows featured on the cast iron ring to get download links find out what's going on as well as get hooked up with our free ios app head to castironring.com rock all i'm gonna say is this i hope that you never end up in my cousin's dentist chair because that is his all-time favorite track and that's i'm referring to flash of the blade (laughs) i can't tell you how many times we would cruise around and listen to that track. But, hey, that's his opinion. It's my cousin's opinion, too. So there you go. To each their own. Moving forward, Dave Reffitt guested on the last Mars Attacks podcast. It was actually one of the live shows uh, that we talked about. What I did was release that in podcast format. Remember that before the live shows on Fridays, you have a solid hour of music that I put together. And I've been doing themes for the last few shows. Did an all-90s metal theme. Did an all-female-fronted metal theme. Did a block of like a half hour of bands from New Jersey a few weeks back. So uh, keep a lookout for that. We may do some type of polling in the future to see what you guys want to hear the hour before Mars Attacks Live or Talking Metal Live, for that matter, on Friday nights. Anyway, Dave Reffitt. He's working on some new material. If you listen to episode 76, he'll give you the 411 on everything that's going on. Look out for him on the new Michael Angelo Batio uh, album, which is out, I believe, next month in September. So keep an eye out for that. In the meantime, let's get into the duelists off of Power Slave. And then we'll get into a track off of Dave's Shredding the Envelope album. I should say Call of the Flame album. My bad.
Power Slave by Iron Maiden was um, a huge influence on me. I remember I was at a music store and I got the, um, there was a book, you know, like a guitar book on how to play all of it and everything. And I studied that one hardcore. Like when I was a kid, I knew every solo backwards and forwards on that one. In particular, Ace is High, you know, of course. I mean, there's a reason that that one's the, the lead off track. That's a great, great song. And, um, their use of kind of interesting scales and stuff was very cool. Like on the song, uh, like on the title track, Power Slave, they're using a, um, it's called Phrygian Dominant is the name of the scale, and it's it's the fifth mode of the harmonic minor scale. And I don't want to get too far out and crazy and guitar, you know, nerdy on you. <laughs> but, but that is um, the unique sound that that scale gets is very Egyptian sounding. And it was and it was brilliant that they knew that you know that they could play that kind of Egyptian sounding scale and take you to that place like it really puts you in the mind frame of, of Egypt and uh, the album cover and everything like everything about that one just had kind of a a mythic quality to it and it really um really they really did the job on that one and there's so many killer songs man I like like uh, Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner that's one of those like super long epic kind of songs and that's a cool tune and everything. But I like some of the more rock and roll kind of shorter songs, like Two Minutes to Midnight, Flash of the Blade, Back in the Village. You know, all that stuff is like really packs a lot of punch. And that's not to take anything away from Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner. That's a killer song. But I kind of like those kind of like, you know, kick you in the balls kind of songs. Like Back in the Village, for instance. I mean, I love that one. But um, And Bruce, man. Bruce is just an unbelievable singer. I had the great opportunity of... Um, Bruce Dickinson had a radio show on the BBC and he played my stuff and he said my guitar playing was fantastic and he, uh, what else did he say? Oh, he said the album was a must-have and stuff and that was, somebody emailed me that audio of him saying that and I was fucking floored for like three weeks. (laughs) To have one of your heroes, you know, like to say that about you is pretty cool. And that's actually probably the first, I think that's the first metal band I ever got into. One of my best friends, he, he gave me, um, this is back when cassette tapes were, you know, nowadays you burn somebody a CD, but this guy burned me a cassette tape. And he's like, hey, check this out, man. And it didn't have any artwork or anything on it. And I went home and listened to it. And it was Maiden, I think it was Peace of Mind. And I was hooked on Maiden after that. So the rest is history.
go. The track Shredding the Envelope by Dave Reffitt. To check him out, go to DaveReffitt.com. Here you go. Up next, we have, we mentioned before, Mitch LaFon. He put together a world with heroes. Mitch is a journalist up in Canada. Does a lot of work for Brave Words. Check out BraveWords.com. And uh, again, great, great cause. There are 109 CDs left. There are 40 tracks in, in this compilation. And if you were a pleasure, there are another four bonus tracks, if I'm not mistaken, that I've downloaded. And some of those bonus tracks are cooler than some of the things that made uh, the final cut on the album, in my opinion. But uh, hey, whatever. Let's see. So Mitch is going to tell us a little bit about a little Iron Maiden here about Power Slave, but what we're going to do is we're going to check out an extra special track off of off of A World With Heroes. The track is going to be Larger Than Life. This is a Kiss tribute album, and uh, this is more or less, uh, actually minus Bumblefoot, this is the band Alive that had been playing around uh, the track will feature Rex Brown on bass and vocals, Mark Zavon of Kill Devil Hill on guitar. That's the band Rex is in now. And on drums, Brian Titchy, who will be coming up a little later on in the show. And I do want to mention that there's a discrepancy with something that I said. I mentioned that Nico McBrain uses a Ludwig Speed King. I was watching Flight 666 uh, about a week ago. And he's obviously using Drumworks pedals now, DW. He had, worked, he had used the Ludwig Speed King forever. And Victor Valera of Angelus Apatrida, a Spanish band. Uh, he and I used to always talk about, or I've interviewed them several times. I have a pretty good rapport with the band. Uh, they're Century Media Artist. And we often have talked about how amazing Nico is. And it's funny, there have been several discussions between Mark Striegel and myself about different people, about Peter Chris, about Bill Ward, about others that maybe after all the years can't, hand, can't handle the physicality that, uh, that, that you're presented with drumming. Nico can bring all that shit to the table and more. I mean, his playing is still amazing. And just looking at that video, and I actually saw the... Uh, DVD that they shot in Chile and released not too long ago. Saw that as well. And I mean, it's just amazing seeing him play and seeing him play the same as he's played, you know, since Peace of Mind onward that he's been with the band. Uh, one of the reasons that I absolutely love this album is just the way that Martin Birch produced it. I mean, Nico's drums sound so alive. It sounds as if you're in the room with him and I'm getting goosebumps describing this because it's I mean one of my all-time favorite drum albums just by the way that it sounds it just just sounds so great so thank you Martin Birch for doing such great work on this album and all the maiden albums that you were involved with anyway getting sidetracked here let's get into Back in the Village and one little tidbit with Back in the Village Check out Michael Shanker's Captain Nemo. What came first, the chicken or the egg? Either way, both tracks kick ass. 
But Adrian Smith's riff sounds awfully reminiscent of Captain Nemo, which came out, I believe, about a year earlier on the Built to Destroy album by... It's either Built to Destroy or Assault Attack. I'm sorry, I didn't write it down beforehand. I'm flying, you know, off of what I have in my brain right now. Um, and, you know, no disregards to Adrian Smith. Uh, I actually named my kid Adrian after Adrian Smith. So there you go. That goes to show you how much I love the band. Um, Adrian Orion is my son's name. So there you go. If you can figure out uh, the Orion connection there, maybe go back to the first classic albums column release to Metallica. It isn't 100% Metallica, but um, once we saw the name in a name book, I was like, holy shit, that's perfect. And saw the definition and everything and said, aha, if I can pull Adrian off, if I can convince my wife for Adrian and use this as his second name, it'll kick ass. And somehow it worked. Stars aligned that night. Orion was in effect. There you go. Anyway, we're getting really sidetracked now. Back in the village off of Power Slave. can you say about about that uh again one of those albums that uh whew, i don't even know it. i mean that's one of those albums that's so great that what, what can you say yeah it it, it 
it put the band in, into a whole new category in terms of uh, fans and fan base and, and musically. It, um, whew. What, what, what would you say about Power Slave? I mean, listen, it's, 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 it, that, that's one of those, uh, um, musical defining albums where everything before it almost gets overshadowed and everything after it is never good enough. Right. Absolutely. And, and <laughs> I don't even know what to say about that. I mean, it's, it's, it's brilliant period. You know, <laughs> it's, it's the band, what the band will never be as good. That, that album was, was, I don't even know what to say. It, it was, it, it's the album. It's, that's it. It, it, it took, it took metal to, to a next level. It took, it took Bruce Dickinson from, you know, uh, the replacement guy to the voice of Iron Maiden. Right. I mean, I, I think there was a, I think up until then, there was still that fan base that was saying, oh, real Iron Maiden is Paul Diano. And then they heard that and they went, yeah, you know what? I think Bruce is the guy. Yeah, yeah, I'm, this is it. I'm convinced. <laughs> forget Diano. Forget Running Free. This is it. <laughs> and, right. And ha- have they ever ever been as good? I, I mean, I don't think so. They put out some great albums. I, I'm not. I'm not downsizing or, or degrading. They right. put out great albums since then, but they haven't put out as great an album since then. <laughs> Zavon and Brian Titchy there uh, doing the Kiss classic Larger Than Life. Maiden and Kiss for me are favorite band 1A and 1B and depending on what time of the day, what day of the week it is, I can tell you that one is my favorite or the other is my favorite. But side four of Kiss Alive 2 is one of those things that I just played to death as a kid. Heard it for the first time when I was four years old thanks to my brother. And yeah, I mean, always love that track. And there you have little Rex Brown singing. A lot of people haven't heard Rex sing before, so there you go. His cohort, Brian Titchy, Parsippany, New Jersey native. Uh, probably the closest you come. Could be Dillinger Escape Plan. Have to measure it out exactly. Parsippany is a huge town by New Jersey standards. By northern New Jersey standards, I should say. Uh, a few miles away from where I grew up in Dover, New Jersey. 
Dillinger's from Morris Plains, so that's fairly close as well. Uh, anyway, actually, Morris Plains is closer because you have to cross Morris Plains to get into Parsippany if you're going down Route 10, so there you go. Uh, anyway, Brian Titchy played drums on that track. He's got a new project out called Something On To Nothing, Sun, in other words, with Sass Jordan, um, and you also have Godsmack's original drummer in the band as well, Tony Stewart, sorry, similar to the NASCAR driver, anyway, and the bass player is Michael Denham Devin, he rounds out the band, anyway, got to talk to Brian about his thoughts on Power Slave, we'll get to that in a second, before that though, we will get into one of my all-time favorite tracks by any band, the title track, Power Slave. After that, we'll jump into the track Nomad by Sun. So here, you know, here we are, and you know, this, this okay. Mars attacks. Wait, Mars attacks. Classic albums column. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, with that said, I'm gonna also uh, get into Iron Maiden's Power Slave record, which I bought as a kid, and I was way into Maiden already. Already totally knew Maiden top to bottom, with, with you know the, the Clive Burr Maiden with. Um, Oh, jeez. What's it? Deanna with Paul Deanna. So I was already Maiden, totally into Maiden, you know. And this is all because of their logo. We saw their logo in in a magazine and we're like, that's an awesome logo. We got to hear this band. It was literally that simple. Look at that logo. That's the coolest logo going. We got to hear this band. And then when we got the uh, records, wherever, I can't remember records or cassettes at that point, whatever. Um, Me and my buds, we we all loved them, you know. So I used to practice drums. To Killers and you know um, what is it? Live made the Made in Japan was it called? Live made right. Yep. Yeah. Remember tomorrow? Made in Japan. Live. Yeah. And and the first one, 
Phantom of the Opera, which, and and uh, and 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 then you know the number of the beast, which was, I mean, I love that the the piano stuff was great, but I just number of the beast, just the tunes, I, I really dug the tunes on it. I love Clive's drumming on that. And then you know I didn't you know it's not like t these days where you find out everything. Oh, drummers leaving the band. I had no idea. I I don't know. Maybe I heard that they had a new drummer coming in or something. But when uh mm -hmm. you know that's so 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 Nuki, Nico came in with a. You know, with peace of mind, and it's awesome. All right, so that's all great. So I'm all into peace of mind. In my band in high school, we're playing tons of Maiden. We're playing. We're we're on stage at junior junior. You know what is it? Junior year of high school. We're playing Ides of March, Wrathchild. We're playing Killers. We're playing Remember Tomorrow. Like we're all we're playing. You know, some Priest. We're doing all this stuff, and then uh, and then Power Slave comes out, and the you know with Two Minutes to Midnight is the first single, and that is really cool. It's, you know, Nico sounds killer on this record. It's a very cohesive record. It sounds very consistent to uh, um, uh, yeah, uh, Peace of Mind. Mm -hmm. um, you, know, you know what I mean? Like the drum sound is pretty similar. Martin Birch production, killer. I love Martin Birch's production, which he's also, I'm pretty sure he's uh, 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 Mob Rules, Black Sabbath, I think. Mm -hmm. yep. you know, as, isn't he also um, uh, Machine Head Deep Purple? Am I right? That, that's mm -hmm, I believe so. Yeah, yeah, he's come on, man, right there. That's three records that are amazing sounding. So, yeah, okay. So, so Power Slave, it came out. And I just thought it was great. I think I think it starts with Aces High, and there's Two Minutes of Midnight, and there's there's a bunch of great songs. Uh, what is it? Uh, Lost for Words. It's totally cool. Mm -hmm. um, yep. Oh man, what starts off? Wait, what starts off? Two minutes of midnight. Side two is Two Minutes of Midnight. What's the second song? Aces High goes into what? Um, no, I believe Aces High. Let, let me look this up real quick. I believe that goes into Two Minutes to Midnight. Then we'll, oh, then what starts off? Oh, win, 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 win. Flash of the Blade. That's awesome. Uh, but what's the just beginning of the beginning of Side Two? Is what? What's the first song on Side Two? Oh man, 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 it's not that. It's not Flash of the Blade. I can't remember right now. Uh, if you see, oh man, the Duelist maybe. Um. Oh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe. But okay. yeah, because the the running orders, Ace is high, two minutes to midnight, lost for words, flash of the blade, the duelist, yeah. back in the village, and then power slave and rhyme of the ancient mariner. Yeah. Okay. So so all right. So you got the whole record. I'm, you know, Dickens is great. The guitar duo is great. You know, Harris is killed. It's a great. It's a great band. It's a great record. But um, for me, uh, um, the. Uh, Power. My favorites are probably Power, Power Slave, and Aces High. Two Minutes Midnight's cool, and and Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner. So we played. I think my band in high school played most of that record. We definitely played Two Minutes Midnight, Aces High. We definitely played, played Power Slave. I think we played Lost for Words, and I think and we definitely played Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner. So like that's most of the record we were playing. Like we were like <laughs> we we're into it. But here's the thing: I'm a senior in high school, right? And uh, in, in English class, we have to write a term paper, like our final term paper. And I'm like late doing it. I don't even know. I have, I'm like lazy. Um, and I was like kind of doing good in school at that point. Like I, I kind of decided, I don't know why I decided to try and do better or something, but I was like, like, yeah, I was doing okay. And, but I was lazy about you know, this term paper thing. It's the last minute. And I think, I can't remember the exact, all I know is that you could come up with whatever you wanted. And my idea was this. I'm going to compare uh, Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner as performed uh -huh. by Iron Maiden 
on uh, the Power Slave record. I'm going to compare it to the actual epic poem by Samuel L. What is it? Samuel L. Coleridge. Coleridge. Yep. Uh, I'm going to compare the actual poem to the to the song. So that was my term paper. So I just took, I just went for it. And what I literally, I think I wrote this all the night before. I don't even think I did it two nights before. I think I just started writing. And I was like, how hard can it be, dude? I love Maiden. Come on. You know what I mean? I'm just going to write about this. And I had the poem and all the, I didn't even have the, the poem. I think I just took his lyrics. Maybe I had the poem. I can't remember. Or the cliff notes or something. But anyways, I did. The, I wrote the whole thing, how the tempos change, what the, the riff is like, you know, how they go into a breakdown, how they do this and the starts and the stops and the scream and the blah, blah, blah. And then all, I totally wrote about the whole dynamic, the dynamics of the whole song. And I was literally giving a page I write to my sister who would go upstairs and type it. And my mom's like yelling at me. This is what happens when you're late to the last minute. You know, <laughs> what are you doing? Ah, you know, your term paper's doing. You're waiting the last minute. You know, and she's, and she's like yelling at me while I'm writing this stuff. <laughs> so I fucking do this whole thing and I go in and it's typed up. My sister types it. And, and, and um, I go in and I hand it in, right? And it ends up my teacher freaks out and loves it. She loves that I that I came up with this idea of comparing, you know, a song to a po- like to the poem that they got it from, and she mm-hmm. loves how I used time signatures and like dynamics and I explained how he's screaming and he's whispering and the hi hats coming and the bass riff coming. She loved it. I got the highest grade in the class. I got a fucking A plus <laughs> on my term paper. And I no come, kidding. Yeah. Wow. So come on, don't don't say I'm not a metalhead. I'm a I'm a smart metalhead, but uh, I got. And here's the truth, though. I got sisters younger than me. Years later, they're in the same teacher's class, and she's still showing my term paper to the class as an example of a perfect term paper. Thank you very much. There you go. Cool. <laughs> and very I haven't cool. even told Nico this, and I've since then become friends with Nico McBrain. I love him. He's such an awesome guy. I can see why he's so damn popular. And, you know, and he's been in that band for a long time and mm-hmm. he's, he's made his mark in the world of drumming and rock drumming and metal drumming and all that stuff. And, and I'm proud to say that he, I've shared the stage with him a couple times in the past, you know, year, um, at, uh, um, at, uh, at Marshall's, Marshall's Amplification's 50th anniversary, Nico was the host and we had, uh, but his drums up there and my, and my, my drums, which was, you know, the drum set for the night. And we played a uh, smoke on the water together. We were at rehearsal together, got to hang out with him. Uh, and then he accepted being a co-host at the last, at last NAMM show's Bonzo Bash in January this year. And he came and he hosted and he played a tune. He played the immigrant song and he was so cool. And, uh, and, and then we even played some other jam at the NAMM show, the two of us on two drums. So it's like, it's like three times in like six months. And so he's, he's been so cool. And it's just so nice to know that like, you know, I was a kid sitting there in, in, um, you know, uh, I think it was like ninth grade or something when, when peace of mind came out and, and, uh, hearing where Eagles dare just seriously. I mean, I love that record. They're both records. And he goes, you know, it's just, it's a great band. Maiden's awesome. So it's really cool to know that, he, you know, he's a bud now and I've gotten to sit behind drums with him. He's actually showed me the exact way he plays where he was there and stuff. And there's a clip on YouTube. I did before I knew Nico, before I really, I saw him, I was playing at another NAMM show in like 2009 and he's on the he's on the side of the stage at Soundcheck and I'm playing with Michael Schenker and people are over there getting his, his, his autograph and stuff. And I was like, ah, screw it. Life is short. And I went, hey, Nico, uh, hi, my name's Brian Tisch. I'm playing with Michael Schenker. Those are my drums on stage. And I said, w- would it be cool if you got up there and played Where Eagles Dare? 
<laughs> like just played a little bit. And he's like, yeah, yeah, sure, why not? And he gets up there and he does it. And, the, and I filmed him doing it, just standing behind him, played like 30 seconds. And she just got like a half a million hits on YouTube or something because people love Nico. But cool. it's just so cool. You know, so that was we didn't even know each other. then. I walked up to him just like as a fan. I just said, hey, I'm Brian. You know, I'm playing drums here. And those are my drums. Can you play where he goes there? So and he was super cool. Just meeting me like that. And then since then, you know, years gone by, we've hung out a few times. And, and he's even been, you know, a, a, ho, a you know, co-host at one of at my show, which is just, mm-hmm. just so cool, you know. So so there, yo. So there's my my uh, tie into Power Slave, yeah. Met, all the way from the, my band in high school covering half of the record at least to me writing my final my term paper on Rhyme and the Ancient Mariner to you know to hanging out with Nico now. <laughs> point out was that brian is playing lead guitar there and brian plays amazing guitars you could tell so there you go little brian titchy and his band son sass jordan lead singer brian titchy all guitars michael denim <laughs> sorry i have to look back at my notes here uh, michael denim devin and tony stewart on drums great sounding track great sounding band check them out Up next, we have Andrew from Metal Assault. Andrew has just recently started doing shows on KXRZ out in L.A. You could find his shows being streamed on iTunes, uh, what else, Uh, TuneIn App Radio, which is a very cool app that I used to check out stations back home in the States. Anyway, you could just go to rdsn.net forward slash kxr2 to check out 
what Andrew does. I unfortunately don't know which days he does his shows, but if you uh, keep up with him on Facebook, keep up with Metal Assault on Facebook, then he posts all that good information up there. Anyway, this is what not to do when a bird shits on you. The rhyme of the ancient mariner. And then Andrew's comments. Yeah, um, and moving on to Iron Maiden's Power Slave, you know, that's, uh, along with Metallica's Ride the Lightning, you know, I would consider this as uh, the best heavy metal album of all time. 
this just something about the guitar tone you know the Adrian Smith Dave Murray combination on this particular album that I feel that no album which has come out after after this you know after the 1984 release of Power Slave has been able to uh, kind of you know match or duplicate in any way possible it's just such a unique sound that that this album creates and it it talks about you know all these themes of you know pyramids and mariners and uh, albatrosses and stuff like that but it's one thing to talk about that in the lyrics but it's another to kind of write music which makes you you know imagine that stuff and this album does that you know when you hear the song rhyme of the ancient mariner you think of the whole story that is talking about and even the the title song it makes you think of the you know the, the stuff that Bruce is talking about in Power Slave and every other song on that album i mean it's just uh, a story in itself and the music creates the story rather than just the lyrics you know that's the uh, amazing part about uh, about this particular iron maiden album even though most of their other albums do this as well you know they they're great at their the lyrics i consider their lyrics to be the best of you know all the metal bands out there and they write music which suits the lyrics but this one is the best in that regard i i would feel and um although it, i it's not the first thing i heard from maiden i heard number of the beast first but this was definitely you know just uh, blew me away to a, to a whole new uh, you know whole new degree as compared to number of the beast uh there there are songs which which they play you know of course uh, in in shows even today they play 2 minutes to midnight and uh they play as high of course but um i feel that there's some other you know songs which they should have maybe played more and i would have loved to hear hear more of it you know they i'm glad they did ram of the ancient mariner and power slave on the uh, the somewhere back in time tour which i was also fortunate enough to see a couple of years back when they revisited that time a little bit that era and played some of the songs so that was cool but i i was hoping to you know kind of hear back in the village or flash of the blade and songs like that but well maybe never but <laughs> you know <laughs> uh well you can never stop dreaming so hopefully someday it will happen but the the point i was trying to make was that even those songs are uh, as good as you know the songs which people usually you know associate this album with like ace is high or tomb is to midnight or or uh, rhyme of the ancient mariner you know there's there's also duelists of course which is another like sort of uh, 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 an obscure jam if you can call it that and mm-hmm. the instrumental lost words that just you know amplifies the fact that maiden are just you know legendary musicians the bass sound and nico nico gets to shine on that song more than anybody else which which is rare for for a maiden you know maiden's music because it's mostly about you know bruce and about the guitarist and about steve but for a change it's good to be you know listening to a song which is about nico as well so that's that's also a good thing about this album is that you have that instrumental track which uh, allows you to do that i mean they kind of moved away from the instrumental later on in their career but they had instrumentals in the early albums and uh this this is probably the best of those you know last four words um so uh, and artwork of course you know in contrast to the acdc album that i just talked about this this thing is all about <laughs> you know detail and about about art itself you know it's the art artsiest artwork i would say you know of all time probably i mean i i enjoy the killer's artwork better because it's you know it's just that much more you know kind of fierce and brutal uh and you know but this one is is just you know 
a, a more obviously a better you know a better piece of art i would say and if you i don't i i unfortunately could not find the vinyl for this one yet because it's just made in albums are so hard to find on vinyl they don't uh i'm just waiting for them to reissue all of all of their stuff so i can buy it instantly but this one i haven't found but i would just love to uh get that you know 12 inch thing in my hand and look at all the details which you cannot probably cannot make out on the on the four inch cd cover but even then you know there's so much detail in it that it's just unbelievable i mean the the all the cryptic writings and the uh the symbols and everything and i would i you can just write a book based on this this artwork itself it's just that deep you know just amazing <laughs> so uh so that's power slave you know iron maiden's uh marquee album i would say you know the the ode to the uh to the golden years of iron maiden and for for people who haven't heard it well you're if you are a metal fan and you haven't heard it then i don't know what you're doing you know you have to listen to it right now <laughs> and if you people who uh who have already you know heard it there's there's never a bad time for this album you should check it out whenever you you can be possibly can um ace is high you know the start of the album itself is i feel the best like opening song of out of any album i've ever heard i mean it just catches you and grabs you by the throat and the lyrics are so inspiring i mean you know run to live live to fly and you know lines like that have been inspi- inspiring me ever since i heard the song and if i ever you know uh go ahead and get enough money to do a skydive sometime this would be my soundtrack for for that you know it's as high that I, right. I decided that already so yeah there there's you know my uh, my take on power slave and you know, i hope you uh Enjoyed listening to what I was, what I had to say about it. <laughs> this is the Mars rover. When I was being built, put together back on Earth, my creators listened to the Mars Attacks podcast all the time. It helped them prep for this mission. And although they didn't always agree with the host, neither did I, by the way, we found it mildly amusing. We at least laughed at him from time to time. Some of his preposterous theories. <laughs> Wait, preposterous? Are you kidding me? You sound like one of the damn toasters from Battlestar Galactica. What are you talking about? Toaster? Screw you, brother. I don't see Dirk Benedict or James Edward almost around here. You're listening to Mars Attacks Podcast. Here is your host, Victor. So say we all... Why am I wasting my time? I might as well go back to drawing penises on the red planet. Thank you, Mars Rover, for some great, great comments. There you go. The Mars Rover may be visiting us from time to time in the future. Woohoo! Let's move over to some written comments. This comes from the one, the only, David Ellison from Megadeth. He writes in, Number of the Beast was the last Maiden album I bought. As for me, it was the essence of the best of the best of Maiden. However, some albums get better to me over time, and one of those is Power Slave. It had a great album cover, and the title track is just a classic. Plus, Aces High and Two Minutes to Midnight are like metal standards in every rock bar around the planet. Up the Irons... For Maiden on this one. 
Then we also have Chris from In This Moment. He wrote in, fucking love this album. The artwork is epic. Used to get stoned and try finding all the eddies or little creatures hiding throughout the artwork. I also took this album into my eighth grade history class, taking advantage of the subject matter as an excuse to play a rhyme of the ancient mariner during class. Ha ha. My favorite songs are Aces High, Power Slave, and of course, Two Minutes to Midnight. This is my all-time favorite album from Iron Maiden. David Alvarez, listed as Davish on the site, his nickname. Anyway, from Angelus Apatrida, he writes in, This album has my all-time favorite track by Maiden, Back in the Village. The song still blows my mind. I would spend hours playing this song. We also did a cover of Lost for Words years ago. I could still play the album on guitar and still love it. This is also an album that a lot of my students have asked about when taking lessons. The cool thing is so many students have a favorite off of the album, and it isn't the same as, say, Peace of Mind, where they all ask to play the Trooper. Very cool. Will Carroll from Death Angel sent his comments in, and it is quick and straight to the point. Maybe the most perfect metal album ever recorded. Nuff said. And wrapping things up, our good friend Dan Lorenzo from Hades, Nonfiction, and The Cursed. He writes in, I have a confession to make. I do not like Iron Maiden's Power Slave album. I love the first two Maiden CDs with Paul on vocals. My band Hades were... At the time, primarily a cover band, and we nailed Early Maiden. When Bruce came aboard, I was into it, and I loved the first two Maiden CDs with Bruce. After that, not so much. Honestly, Iron Maiden Power Slave, to me, is as goofy as Spinal Tap. It embodies all that can be cheesy about metal. I hate when metal is cheesy. I know how popular Iron Maiden are, and I'm shocked. I still listen to all the albums I, and he has this in quotes, grew up with ACDC, Aerosmith, Old Kiss, Old Cheap Trick, Judas Priest, etc. But I never, ever pull out any Iron Maiden CDs to listen to in 2013. I don't think it's aged well at all. Sorry if I offend any lovers of cheese metal. So there you go. Dan Lorenzo, taking that as a cue and having my pen fly all over the place, uh, let's get into the former lead singer of Hades anytime they get back together again. This is Alan Tecchio with his comments. And I know some of you are saying, oh, you've run out of tracks to play off of uh, Power Slave. But not so fast there, sweet Charlie. We have B-sides that we could delve into as well. And that's exactly what we're going to do. The first single off of the album is Two Minutes to Midnight. At least it was the first video that was released. The backside of that, or the B-side, had the track, let's see, 
Um, and I may confuse this because, all right, let's, let's get down to it. What I have is I have the uh, box set that was put out years ago, which uh, they released on double vinyl and on CD where they coupled uh, two singles together. So what we're going to do is we're going to get into, uh, let's see here. We have four tracks that we can get into. One of them we're not going to get into because it's Mission from Ari. Or we can get into part of that. We'll see. Uh, anyway, this is King of Twilight, regardless of which of the two singles it comes off of. Two Minutes to Minute or Aces High. It's, all, it's a B-side off of Power Slave. So let's get into a little King of Twilight before getting into Alan Tecchio's comments. Power Slave. That record is really cool. I've, I've been a Maiden fan since the very first record. Love Dickinson. Love all the stuff that comes along with uh, that band, even through their dark times. <laughs> but uh, that record, I thought was was really just amazing. I love Alexander the Great. I loved all the songs on that record. I love the whole Egyptian theme, and uh, I just thought they really, again surpassed themselves as they had done every single record up until then 
it was after that that I sort of started to lose it from Aiden a bit. Um, and I don't know what came after that, whether it was Seventh Son or, or what it was, but uh, Power Slave, I thought they were intact and still a, a real, real strong force in the metal scene for sure. Okay. And actually, the album after that was uh, Somewhere in Time, and that actually had Alexander the Great, not Power Slave. Oh, shoot. Well, what's, the, what's the big epic on Power Slave? Uh, that's Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner. Oh, that's right. Thank you. Love that song. And you know what, dude? Somewhere in Time is a fucking awesome record. I did love Somewhere in Time. It must have been after Somewhere in Time that I sort of came came off the Maiden bandwagon, because uh, Seven Sun was after that one, right? Yeah, yeah, Seven Sun's right after. We got invited to sing. Hades got invited to sing on stage with Maiden for the Seven Sun tour out in Nassau Coliseum. Us and Anthrax went up there and sang the background to, I think, Long Distance Runner, The Loneliness and Long Distance Runner, one of those songs. And right. the crowd was... You know, the crowd was a massive arena crowd, but it was at the start of their, I guess, sort of decline. Because it wasn't like, you know, the year previous or the year prior to that, which were just sold-out arenas, you know. Fiction. Dan Lorenzo was also part of that band. Name of that track is Reason to Live off of In the Know, the first nonfiction album. And for those listening that say, oh man, they're ripping Soundgarden off. Eh, not quite. <clears throat> uh, nonfiction predates Bad Motor Finger Soundgarden. So there you go. Uh, anyway, keeping things going here. Up next. We're going to get into another B-side by Iron Maiden. But what we are going to have is Glenn Drover, former guitarist of Megadeth. You can find out more about Glenn on glendroverband.com. He's working on new material as we speak. I know that some of my fellow podcasters are lining up interviews 
uh, to talk to him at the moment. But um, yeah, what I'm going to get into is actually, I think that the album United Abominations with Glenn is one of the best Megadeth albums to come out after Countdown, after the, you know, after the Risk period. And, and actually, I would put this up there, uh, I don't know, it might be one of my five favorite Megadeth albums, you know, teach their own. <laughs> so, yeah, there you go. Uh, anyway, Rainbow's Gold, another cover track, another B-side from the Power Slave period. We're going to get into that. And then Glenn Drover's comments regarding Power Slave. one of my favorite Maiden records and you know I have some really good memories from that record because it was around that time when you know I was I was you know in my early teens and I was really starting to get into you know playing a lot more guitar I hadn't I'd only started I played I started I guess I was 10 and so by that point when that record came out you know I only been playing for a few years but it was starting to get more serious and I remember you know, just playing to the whole record. I learned all the songs, and I just played from back to front. That was a thing I do every day. You know, it was one of those albums, Power Slave, you know, I, Def Leppard, High and Dry, uh, Killers, uh, Priest, Screaming for Vengeance, all these kind of albums. But that was one of them that I loved playing along with and just, you know, trying to learn every, you know, make sure I was playing all the rhythms right, or at least trying to. 
and you know the solos and everything else. But uh, a lot of fond memories of, of of that, and and also just you know listening to the album itself. Um, you know, I, I really can't name a bad song off that record. It's one of my favorites. Okay. And would you lean more towards Adrian Smith or Dave Murray? I like both of them. You really, it's kind of it's, it's apples and oranges, really. It's hard to compare them, but they make a great team because they don't sound alike, and that's what I like about that. You know, and 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 a lot of the bands that I played in always try to do that. You know, uh, so you can hear a difference in in the styles. So it's you're you're not questioning, oh, who's that? Is that this guy or that guy or you know, with Maiden, it, it was, you know, it's it's instant. It's immediate. You could tell who's who if you know, if you know the players, you know. And um, um, it's just, you know, that's that's what I really love about them. But I can't, I mean, I love Dave Murray for, for different reasons than I like Adrian, <laughs> you know. So I would just, I just, I like them both. Canadian author Martin Popoff, brilliant author who's written a lot about groups like Black Sabbath, Deep Purple, Rush, so on and so forth. He currently has a 99 cent sale on a lot of his short essays where he talks about uh, albums like Van Halen's 5150, talks about a group that I really love called Fastway, and um, it's just a lot of really cool stuff. I've purchased a bunch of Books of his also via Amazon. Use our links to go purchase the Kindle books that you can purchase anywhere in the world if you want to buy the Kindle books. You know, you're you can have access at them, so it's very cool to download, you know, something like that. 
so quickly and something that's so great and thorough. So yeah, go to Martin Popoff, P-O-P-O-F-F dot com to find out more regarding the various sales and different books that Martin offers. Part of these B-sides, there was a Number of the Beast Live. Now, this isn't the same Number of the Beast that appears on Live After Death. So let's check this version out. I mean, it's Number of the Beast, but it just isn't, you know, the same iteration that you're used to hearing on the uh, Live After Death album or DVD at this point. If you have the old VHS, just remember that uh, not all the tracks that appear on the CD or cassette or vinyl version are the same as what you're seeing on the VHS or uh, DVD version of the album. There were five nights, and they do vary with a few of the tracks uh, that do appear in one format or the other. So there you go. Let's get into a little Number of the Beast and then Martin Popoff's comments. Let him who hath understanding reckon the number of the beast. For it is a I think I, Power Slave is the last Maiden album that I really um, 
liked in a in a huge way uh, even though i could tell already it was the first album for that band that really was just a remake of the previous album the first album amazing second album amazing and different third album amazing and different uh peace of mind is my favorite maiden album Power Slave is really just Peace of Mind Part 2. I think they were just slowly, slowly starting to run out of ideas. Um, but I still love, I mean, my favorite Maiden song is on that, Two Minutes to Midnight. Um, I just think it's it's a really cool album. It was a really exciting time for Maiden. They were still in the ascendance. Um, and really, frankly, it's probably in most people, at least of my age's estimation, the last great Iron Maiden album. When the live show is away, the listeners will play. Want to leave us a message and let us know what you think about the show? Do it. Call 1-888-920-2473. Let us know who you are and we might read your feedback or play your message during one of our live shows or podcasts. That's toll free 1-888-920-2473. Want to keep up with all things Mars Attacks? Show your support by liking us on Facebook by going to facebook.com forward slash Mars Attacks Radio. Follow us on Twitter by going to twitter.com forward slash Mars Aries 2005. Don't want to miss out on an episode of the podcast? Go to iTunes or to Stitcher and subscribe. While you're there, leave us your comments. For more information, go to marsattacksradio.com. Paying some bills, if you will. Just trying to do some new things there. We had the rover. We had, uh, you know, the call us feature. And we had this fine, fine young lady providing us some voiceover work to get you guys to check out some of the cool stuff that we have going on. Moving forward, you know this gentleman from Iced Earth, Death, Charred Walls of the Damned even. But you probably know him for his work with the Howard Stern Show. Richard Christie is his name. And uh, we're going to get into his comments. But the Live After Death tour was technically the Power Slave tour. But we're not there yet. So what we're going to do is there's another B-side from Live After Death. Lost for Words Live. Let's get into a little bit of that before jumping into Richard Christie's comments. And there's no fucking singer on it, bollocks. Right, lost for words, here we go. The grandmas will now back here, lost for words.
Well, Power Slave is the first Iron Maiden album I ever heard. I think I was about nine or ten years old. Uh, my neighbor Larry Beerbauer in uh, near Hyattville, Kansas, played it for me, and I was immediately blown away. Just the drumming and the songs, everything about it, and and the artwork especially. You know, when you're a young kid and you see Eddie for the first time, it just blows your mind. And then uh, soon after that, Live After Death came out, and that's still my favorite album cover of all time, uh, the Live After Death cover. And uh, so that was, you know, Power Slave is a, a huge, huge, pivotal point in my life when I heard that, that album because they, before that I had heard like Quiet Riot and 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 um, Van Halen, but then Iron Maiden kind of took it to the next level for me as far as heaviness, and I thought they were so heavy and just so epic, and, and I still, I listen to Iron Maiden almost every day. I listen uh, the other day to Seventh Son of a Seventh Son, which I think is one of the greatest albums of all time. And uh, I love Maiden, and, and it's great to see the Maiden's bigger than ever now. Okay. The one thing that really stands out for me with Power Slave from a drummer standpoint is the way that Nico was recorded. His drums sound so dynamic, so alive. It seems as if he's in the same room uh, with you. Uh, with that album. That's why it really stands out to me. Yeah, and he had such a unique sound. If I'm not mistaken on that album, he used uh, the one-headed toms, like the one right. with only one drum head. And, and it gave it such a unique sound, and it was so loud. And yeah. I remember uh, when I started playing drums, I remember I knew, somehow I knew that Nico uh, at the time was just using... Uh, like one drum head and not the the bottom head. So I took all the bottom heads off of the drum set at <laughs> school, and it sounded kind of similar to the Nico sound. So yeah, Nico is a massive influence on me, and I I met him a few times, and he's one of the funniest and nicest guys ever. He's such a character. And uh, when I saw Iron Maiden at Madison Square Garden a couple of years ago, they were pay- they were playing Power Slave, and the power actually went out. And it was the craziest thing. It was really kind of cool because they started playing soccer on stage when the power went out. And it was pretty incredible that the power would go out during Power Slave.
a little Richard Christie and his band, Charred Walls of the Damned. Some more Ripperones connection there. And um, very cool comments noticed while adding the track there that I actually recorded uh, the interview with Richard on my birthday back in 2011. So good for me. <laughs> um, let's see. Let's keep things going with another Iron Maiden B-side. The singles off of Live After Death are technically Run to the Hills and Running Free. Uh, let's see here. We have a few choices. We did Lost for Words, which in hindsight, yeah, you know, I repeated a song, but, you know, no big deal. It's a cool song to begin with. Uh, let's see. The other options that we do have, and we have two guests left. Uh, let's do this because this doesn't appear anywhere on um, on Live After Death, if if I remember correctly. I believe it does not. Actually, yeah, we're we're good to go because there's two two songs here that do not appear on the originals, so we'll be able to play them before the next two guests. The next guest is my good friend Mark Striegel from Talking Metal, as I mentioned earlier on in the episode. Uh, we. Just launched Talking Metal Digital. We have a page up there on Facebook. Go to Talking, or I should say Facebook.com forward slash Talking Metal Digital to like the page, follow everything that we do. Uh, We do have a Friday Night Live show tomorrow. And uh, they just recently, or I should say Mark just recently, uh, interviewed Vivian Campbell. And from what he posted online, they received over 40,000 streams and downloads. So that is awesome. And I'm glad that uh, that so many people check that out. I know that it isn't always the easiest to sort of break through and get the attention of certain sites, but it's cool that they did and that, uh, you know, so many people check that out. Uh, I definitely have a different perspective on the whole Vivian Dio thing after that. And you know what? In the end, none of us were there to know what the hell really happened. So, you got two sides. None of us really have to choose a side because, I mean, got nothing to gain out of it, really. But, you know, whatever. Anyway, off of the Running Free, Run to the Hills CD singles. And I should say this. I had the cassette versions of some of these singles before they reissued them. And I believe some of these tracks have been... Part of the reissues that Maiden have done, and some of them were actually part of the box set that they put out. Edward, no, Edward the Great was the greatest hits. Uh, but anyway, they had a Best of the B sides. They had a Live from the BBC. They had a bunch of cool stuff. I have the metal tin up here in my office slash studio. And uh, anyway. Let's get into Murders in the Rue Morgue. This is off of the World Slavery Tour. Did not appear on Live After Death. And afterwards, let's get into the comments from Mark Striegel. A little surprise for you.
Hey, this is Mark Striegel from Talking Metal sharing some Power Slave memories with you. I remember having been a fan of Maiden probably for you know a year or two before Power Slave came out and uh I remember going to the record store getting driven to the record store by my friend's father and my friend and I both bought Power Slave on vinyl. I remember we went back to his place and listened to it and I remember it being a heavy record and when I say heavy I don't mean just heavy like in heavy metal I mean heavy to digest it was a lot to um to take in for you know me at age 14 or 15 whatever I was at that time and it was a, a more demanding listen I think than the previous four Iron Maiden records it took Iron Maiden's sound and vision if you will to a new place it was um just seemed like a really deep record um and those you know and those are some of the basic memories i had it wasn't uh, an album that knocked me over the head from the get-go the first two songs did aces high and two minutes to midnight the rest of the album songs like the title track uh, lost for words the uh, of course rhyme of the ancient mariner flash of the blade i mean those those um those songs took me a little bit more to get into but when they finally did hit me after three or four lists i was hooked and power slave is one of my all-time favorite records by the Hollywood Superstars, one of the many projects that Mark Striegel has been involved in over the years. Very excited to hear that he may be working on some new music, so that should be very, very cool. We have one guest to go, and I always say this, 
And it's amazing that he's going to be doing like a type of storyteller's deal uh, where it's going to be like the Gene Hoagland experience. Definitely worth its weight in gold is what those conversations will be because he's just so great at storytelling. And, you know, once this is all said and done, I am going to put an episode together with just Gene Hoagland's comments because they're just so cool and, and so great. And there's a lot of hours <laughs> worth of material to work with. So, so yeah, there you go. Uh, anyway, Gene is currently out there with Testament. And there was some interesting news about him finding out that Fear Factory was going to be moving away from working with him because they couldn't work the schedule out. And they decided to pretty much program their entire last album, The Industrialist. Uh, interesting, when I was speaking to Gene that night, he actually received a call from Dino, guitarist of uh, Fear Factory, and he actually had to step away. But... Uh, uh, he had some kind things to say about them at that point in time. Uh, some of the things that he's mentioned at this point, I guess he sort of burned with the way that Byron Stout was uh, treated. And I guess that he had to find out via the web that they weren't going to be using his services. So I guess I could understand why he's sort of peeved. Uh, but anyway, he's been a great friend of the show so far. And we expect that to continue. Anyway... Another Maiden track that will lead us into the final guest of the night. And this track is off of the Run to the Hills slash Running Free single. And it is a track that if you have the VHS version or the DVD version, it closes out the entire Live After Death experience. It is Sanctuary off of the first album. So we're going to get into that. We're going to get into Gene's comments. And then we're going to wrap things up with a cover of Iron Maiden. It is the track Power Slave, which was just covered on the latest uh, Testament album, Dark Roots of Death. Dark Roots of Death. Jesus, Dark Roots of the Earth. Mixing up one of his bands with... Uh, <laughs> with... with uh, what he recently released. Anyway, uh, we're going to get into that. want to remind you to stick around afterwards. If you didn't get all the information regarding Twitter, Facebook, all that good stuff, you can go to the homepage of MarsAttacksRadio.com to find out just how to look us up on Twitter, Facebook, um, how to help us out with the social media stuff, um, go to the affiliate stores, check out some of those great, great stores that we're affiliated to and any sale that you make going through those links only helps the podcast out. And what else? Remember to check out Talking Metal Digital on Facebook. We will have a website out shortly. If you want to hear the stream that we have going, uh, just look up TalkingMetal.com, MarsAttacksRadio.com. There are widgets on both pages with players that allow you to listen in uh, you could also if you're on you know your iphone or ipad uh, or even an android device if you go to the live 365 app and look up talking metal digital you'll be able to stream that way 
And uh, what else? You could also listen in via Stitcher. You can download this via iTunes and subscribe to it. And it is 3.20 in the morning, so I am almost fried here, if not completely fried. Anyway, um, we're going to check out Gene's comments, and we're going to wrap up the show. I do want to thank you guys for listening. Help spread the word about not only the classic albums columns, but everything else that I've mentioned about MarsAttacksRadio.com, Talking Metal Digital, and the Cast Iron Ring. Can't forget about that. So... Anyway, here we go. A little Sanctuary by Iron Maiden before jumping into Gene's Hoagland comments. Thanks for checking this out, and I leave you in good hands with Maiden, Mr. Hoagland, and Testament to wrap things up. See you next time right here on the Mars Attacks podcast. Sanctuary! I, I actually, I, I didn't mind that record. Like, I got to admit, I'm, you know, super fan of the first album and Killers. Okay. And, you know, they just, like, their first album was fucking punk rock. You know, I loved punk growing up. It's like, Jesus, this is the ultimate melding of, of two styles of music that I'm super into. And I was like 12 when I got the first Maiden record. 
uh, I might have been 13. Yeah, I think I just turned 13 when I got when I got the first album, because that was in the 80 when I got it, and I turned 13 in 80. And uh, you know that album just changed my life. Absolutely, they are <laughs> gigantor on thrash metal. You know, absolutely. And yeah. you know, like songs like Sanctuary, that is punk rock. You know, that's fully mm-hmm. fucking punk. Awesome. And Prowler, what a great opening song. You know, uh, Phantom of the Opera, that is an absolutely, you know, thrash metal track. And, um, you know, it doesn't have the thrash beat, but it has a lot of what, you know, when thrash metal, when a band would kick into a 6-8 type thing, like a four horse, you know, you know, Slayer had plenty of it too. I mean, Jesus, a lot of stuff off of, you know, Cryonics. I mean, that was pretty much an Iron Maiden song. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but, you know, Iron Maiden, totally. Their first couple of records were amazing. Number of the Beast had some really cool stuff on it. Power Slave, I thought, had some really cool stuff on it. I really liked the, uh, the, the title track. And, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of the songs are really up-tempo and stuff. And that, I could never tell if they really were bad on the Ace of High song. Um, that was like, and Iron Maiden was, I read in, in, I read Kerrang! magazine all the time, back when Kerrang! was cool, and I'd see readers writing in saying, hey man, Iron Maiden stole this riff from Contain the Land from that Hawaii song. You know, Marty Friedman. I'm like, oh, okay, great. Um, you know, I like the fact there were other people being riff police out there, and, and so, when they you know, Power Slave, I was like, dude, that's totally a Raven song. And, you know, Raven's from England. I'm sure they've heard a Raven record. You guys ripped that off from them. But whatever. Yeah, I mean, Iron right. Maiden could rip something off because, I mean, they influenced so many people. But that album wasn't bad. I really like the song Power Slave. I, I always loved Egyptian-sounding songs like Gates of Babylon and stuff like that from Rainbow. Yeah. So, uh, Sales of Karen, you know, all that sort of scorpions. Right? Like, if you had kind of an Egyptian-sounding song, I, you had my attention. So, uh, so yeah, that album was pretty decent, you know, and, okay. and you know, even, even the, the big, you know, Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner had a ton of cool stuff on it and it had a bunch of really cool songs on it, you know, it yeah. wasn't bad. I like the fact it was mostly up-tempo, you know, it didn't have a lot of, uh, flight of Icaruses on it, so...
Thank you for listening to Mars Attacks. To follow the radio show and podcast, like us on Facebook by going to Facebook forward slash Mars Attacks Radio. You'll find us on Twitter also. Follow us at Mars Aries 2005. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes or Stitcher, or just go to MarsAttacksRadio.com to download or stream episodes. Or you can just go to the homepage of MarsAttacksRadio.com to find out more about the radio show and podcast. This concludes our show.